Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here with someone that I've wanted to have on the show for a long time, Natalie Coughlin, Olympic swimmer, author, fundraiser, TV person sometimes, person who has chickens. Is that true? I do. I have uh, currently seven chickens. I want chickens. I had chickens when I was growing up, but... I want them now as an adult. They're so easy. I mean, here you don't have as much space as, as I do up in the Bay Area. Yeah, I don't think chickens in an apartment would be ideal. Yeah, they, <laughs> they tend to shit everywhere. So you don't right. you don't want that. But um, they're so easy. As long as you make sure they don't get eaten by a raccoon, like you're good. Have you lost some this way? I have. It was really sad. One, um, the, it was completely protected. But on Mother's Day, two Mother's Days ago, and I actually... Um, host Mother's Day for both my family and my husband's family, like separately. And I went up to go check on the chickens, and there was a headless chicken. Oh, <laughs> so sad! How did like, that strung up on the fencing? It was it was really traumatic for me. I think more than anybody else. How did the other chickens seem to take it? Oh, they're fine. They they, they move <laughs> on very very quickly. Do you name them? Like, do you I do. A, you do. Do you have I a do? Name? Um, so I had the first five were, or the first three were after True Blood. So. So I only have one remaining. Um, mm. That one's Tara, and she's the one that I like really don't like. And then I have five named after uh, Saved by the Bell. Oh, amazing. Yes. So I have a Zach Kelly, Jesse, Turtle, and Slater. Um, no Screech? No Screech. He's left out. <laughs> and then I have one other that it's pretty funny. Um, so I don't know how much you know about chickens, but if you... Like a um, moderate amount? Yeah. like So like the term pecking order comes mm-hmm. from chickens. And uh, they established their pecking order really early. So when you get new flocks, it's really difficult. They could get cannibalistic. They could like attack each other. One day I go out and I go check on the chickens and one was out of the um, out of the coop and I have a really large coop and it was in the green belt behind my house. And so I had to hop the fence. I like tore my favorite jeans doing so caught this damn chicken and I thought it was Tara threw her into the, the coop. And it was a errant chicken. I have no idea where she came from. No neighbors have chickens. <laughs> we have wild turkeys, but I have no idea where she came from. So that one She's we named rescue. her. Yeah, we named her Munson. So if anyone in my neighborhood's missing a chicken, I might have it. <laughs> <laughs> and and did was Munson able to matriculate into the flock? Yeah, after fighting constantly um, the first night. Luckily, it was right before sundown when I found her. And uh, chickens are much like zombies. They just go to bed and then they wake up and they have a new family member and they don't even know about it. Wow. So according to um, a YouTube video of you on Dancing with the Stars, according to the summary, you're the most decorated swimmer in world championship history. Correct. Oh, thank you. That's so cool. Yes. I think you're the first Olympian I've had on the show. And I think it's great that not only are you the first Olympian you're like the best in the world. Oh, thank you. I was trying to think of like, have, have I had sports people? Yeah. Other athletes. I was trying to think about that too. Um, and I, I feel like there's someone I'm forgetting. Yeah. But I can't think of the person who, who it is. Yeah. Well, I remember you had Lori Kilmartin. She, she swam, which I had no idea. Like she went to the same high school as me and yeah, yeah, now we follow each other on Twitter. And there was some (laughs) pervy coach. Yes. Andy King. I actually knew exactly who she was talking about. I had no idea he ever coached on the team that she swam on, but um, I mean, he looks like a creep and he'll rot in jail. Like he's in jail for the rest of his life. And you knew about this 
from being up north or from swimming or both? The, uh, both. It w- That was a big case. Um, he was a really uh, uh, known coach in the area. And it was just a big case because he got 40 years pretty, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in his 60s. So he's going right. to be 100 before. <laughs> Have you ever... This was not where I intended to go, but have you ever run into? uh, No, no, no creeps. No creeps. No creeps. Um, yeah, my dad was a cop. And so I, yeah, my dad always like taught me like self defense when I was young and, um, really taught me how to like take care of myself. And then also made me kind of wary of strangers Mm -hmm. in general, um, which I think has served me well in in many ways. Right. Um, I, I still like, get a little bit more afraid than I should uh, at times, but it's, you know, it's a good, uh, good coping mechanism, I guess. What, if you remember, what was the last thing that freaked you out? Oh man, there are a lot. Um, Like my, my husband, he likes to joke that like one, (laughs) this was a long, long time ago. Like on our first date, we went um, to this like beautiful, like scenic overlook um, in uh, the Bay area. And I was convinced that there was a serial killer outside. (laughs) Like he was like, this is supposed to be romantic. And I was like convinced that there was like someone going to murder us in our car. (laughs) Like I just like these paranoid feel, uh, you know, like uh, thoughts go go into your head and then you know that they're not true, but you can't get them out of your head. Do you ever have fears in the water? Because a lot of people are afraid of, no, not really. I mean, I, um, I get afraid if I'm surfing and, you know, I think there's like a shark underneath me. And it's funny because I, I like sharks, like I'm fascinated by them, but I still like get freaked out when I'm surfing. But other than that, not really. Mm-hmm. I hate cold water. I, I fear cold water, but that's about it. Don't you end up sp- or didn't you end up spending a lot of time in cold water? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. Like that's that's the part about swimming that's so tough is actually getting in every morning. Right. Um, it's it's freezing and it's shocking way to start your morning. But also the murder on your hair. I know. I know. And no, seriously, I, that was something that I was always uh, wary about. And as as a kid, I never had the green hair per se, but I had that hair that almost broke off mm-hmm. on its own. You didn't really need to cut it. I did, too. And I was not a I was just someone who blew my hair dry and tried to straighten it way too much. Um, So how did you become an athlete? Yeah, uh, basically, I was crazy competitive since I was really, really young. And and fortunately, my parents saw that um, like type A, like very competitive nature and and steered it towards sport Um, because I was like kind of like a chubby uncoordinated kid but I just wanted to be really good at something and so uh fortunately I was good in the water and so I just joined a, the local swim team and I stuck with it at um, what age was that six wow yeah so I was really young um I did gymnastics as well and then I tried dance but I was terrible at dance. <laughs> um but yeah uh, my parents like wanted me to do something other than just school to keep me busy and mm-hmm. and also I was really chubby so they wanted me to do something to keep me fit and see my parents got me into tennis around the same age and all of a sudden I'm like wait maybe I could have been some kind of champion if I had stuck with it I don't think so but (laughs) it's you never know you never know I mean but the the thing with sports is you really have to have the mentality and and that was something that I fortunately was born with like I don't think I was necessarily born with talent but I had the ability to focus um at a pretty young age and I was really driven at a really young age. When you say the mentality, how would you define that? I would define it um, as 
competitiveness, like just having that inner drive. Like it's, you know, the difference between like intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Like it didn't matter what my parents wanted me to do or my coaches, like I wanted to win. I wanted to be better. And I think that's, that's a key. And uh, my husband coaches and you see the big difference of the kids who just do their sport because their parents are making them or um, they're just trying to check some sort of box. Like they don't have that internal drive. Mm-hmm. And and I just, for whatever reason, had that. How With sports, non-sports person over here, <laughs> how much is it a physical endeavor versus a mental? Because there's so much sort of mythology around being an athlete. And I never quite understood all the talk of how much it's a mental thing Mm -hmm. until I briefly was going to a physical, uh, a personal trainer and began to sort of understand. But now I, but it's like sort of when I was in that world, I did understand it. And now I've already forgotten it again. But at that, for a little while, it did make sense to me how much it is like a mind over matter sort of focus kind of thing. I mean, it is it is obviously very physical. And so when people say it's 99% mental and... Right, it, that's the kind of mythology yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's craziness. Um, <laughs> but at the top, the difference between winning a gold medal and getting, you know, eighth at the Olympics, which are still really, really mm-hmm. good... That's mental. How so? Um, Because the whole thing is so overwhelming. First of all, it comes down to qualifying for the Olympics. And then it comes down to having the perfect race on the on the right day three times in a row because you have prelim semifinals and then finals and in front of 18,000 people that that was how many people were in Beijing and in London um, millions of people watching at home knowing that you're um, your finances are tied to the next 60 seconds like Mm -hmm. that is a mind game like that even that part I hadn't even considered that is crazy yeah because I mean as a professional athlete you're we're a lot of our contracts are based on how we perform. Mm-hmm. So you can't let that get into your head. So um, that's a big, big part of it. Um, so, I mean, at the top, like that, that there's a lot of men- mental stuff that goes into it. And even even for little kids, um, they could freak themselves out and then underperform. Um, so it, there is a lot of mental, but I mean, obviously, there's a lot of physical. Is there a way to train for the mental aspect of it? Yes, 100%. Um, I, I always said, like, swimming, people people don't like swimming sometimes because it's a lot in your own head, um, and that could be really tough for people. But um, for me, I always saw it as an opportunity to be, like, present and mindful and kind of all the reasons people steer themselves towards yoga. I found that in swimming. And once I stopped like just singing a song in my head during practice or daydreaming and actually focusing, that's when I started to get more and more successful. And so it's just something that you work over time and it takes many, many years. And, you know, I had a career that was 25, 26 years long. And so that's something I worked on for a very long time. Do you find that you apply that kind of mindfulness to other areas of your life? I try to. I try to. But um, there, there are things that you know, you just tend to space out and you just recognize it and then move on. So is your career, like, are you retired? Or? Uh, officially, no. Um, that's something like I haven't been training for swimming. Uh, and I didn't want to ever announce like a retirement, you know, like a in memoriam to my career as a swimmer. <laughs> and a lot, a lot of athletes do that. But um, yeah, I just let myself time out of the drug testing process, which that that's a 
one of the reasons most people decide to retire is because the drug testing process is horrible. What is it like? Um, you have to give one hour of every single day and an address. So for 365 days a year, you have to say, I am going to be at this address between nine and 10. And if a drug tester shows up, during that hour and you're not there, that's one missed test. Mm -hmm. And if you get three within 18 months, that's a positive test. That this it, The same thing as a positive right. test. So you get banned for either one year, six months, two years. It depends um, on the, the punishment. So it makes you really crazy about your schedule. And, right. and then when you're traveling internationally, and like I, I, I traveled quite a bit. So that, that part of it was, was annoying and tough. Um, so, so they have people in every every place in everywhere, the world. Everywhere. Is it a urine test? It's a urine test. Yeah. How frequently would you actually be tested? Often. Um, so like the peak of my career was um, definitely like 2007 to 2009 or 2008. And um, I would get tested all the time. Like there are sometimes two drug testers would show up to the same practice. And so they could show up to your house. They could show up like really any time and you just have to produce a sample. So you um, get over being shy very quickly. <laughs> what was the, when did you have to let them know you, the next day's schedule? Um, so you had like up until the minute before. Um, so yeah, like, so you could, we had an app um, and they're changing it now. This is something that I, I promoted and they thought I was kidding. I was like, we all have our iPhones or we have our smartphones just take our GPS. And they thought I was being, you know, a smart ass. And it's like, no, please just take our GPS. It, it would make our lives so much simpler. And they're actually thinking of doing that now. They're in the beta phase for the oh, wow. current Olympic athletes. That should be, you should, you should name that app. I know. I know. <laughs> but yeah, now it, it's the USADA. So it's a, yeah, that, that doesn't that, sound like your name at all. No, it's not. <laughs> but I contributed to the ideas. Right. Yeah. What drugs are they like? What are you allowed to have, and what aren't you allowed to have? Um, you're not allowed to have much. Um, so basically, I never took anything just because I, for fear of um, ever getting a positive test. Like when I was about 23 or 22, we had a bunch of athletes come in who had tested positive, um, inadvertently, like they'd taken, taken a supplement and, um, they got a positive test. Like they went to GNC and got some multivitamin and it was tainted with something else. Um, and so they ended up getting a ban. And so that put the fear of God into me. So I, I never took supplements, um, I never took cold medication or anything like that. But basically, like anything with ephedrine, pseudoephedrine, anything that's so a you're stimulant, decongestant or anything. Oh, you can never take that ever. Yeah, there, like, there's very few things that you could take. Um, could you take painkillers? Yes, painkillers are like basic, like ibuprofen and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Anything with codeine, you have to get a permission. You know, right. there, there's an app again, and it gives you like a whole list of when you could take it, when you can't. But um, on the safe side, I just never took anything. What about caffeine? Yeah, you could take caffeine. So that was that was the thing. I was always drinking my coffee before my races and stuff. But yeah, some of my teammates, they would take um, pre-workout or like crazy caffeine stuff. And I, I would never even mess with that just because I feel like coffee just does, the, does right. the job. Is there a weight component to it? Do you have to weigh in or no. be a certain weight? Or no, no, no. no. Yeah, no. So I was going to ask if you saw people do crazy things. For their weight? Just for anything. Oh, um, no, not really. I mean, crazy within the rules. Yeah, n nothing like, I mean, it, it, swimming is one of the cleaner sports, mm -hmm. fortunately. Um, so I never really like saw anything like that. Did you shave your whole body? Yes, I did. I did. I would shave my whole body. And, and um, yeah, that, that was always really fun when... <laughs> 
the guys on the team, they would have uh, their best friend shave their back. Like, so, so hilarious. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'd shave our arms and, you know, our legs and stuff. I, I never really shaved my back. I think that I did that a couple times as a teenager, but then I just moved on from that. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't really think that made a huge, huge difference. But it, you'd be surprised. Um, we would like let her, like, legs go hairy and it's disgusting. Um, but when you do shave, like all that hair off and all that dead skin off, like your sense of proprioception is so much better. Ooh, what does that mean? Like your feel on the water, like you could feel everything. It's amazing. And that, and that's, that's the whole point of um, shaving your body. It's not necessarily, it makes you that much faster. Yes. It makes a little bit of a difference, um, but it makes you feel the water. And that's the difference between a really good swimmer and a not so good swimmer is like what we call the feel of the water. Interesting. And having an increased feel of the water, how would that manifest in better performance? So what makes a good swimmer is maximizing propulsion and min- minimizing drag. And so there's just like an intuition and in having good feel of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would contribute to either one of those areas. Have you ever been in a sensory deprivation tank? No. And I I can't remember who was on. It was um, Casey St. Ange. That sounds terrible. It sounds so <laughs> I terrible. Know. I don't know why. Like. No, I would never want to do that. Like, I'm, I'm not even claustrophobic, but I mean, the thought of a nice warm pool sounds sounds lovely. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I just remember that Simpsons ep- episode where Homer like floats down the street, like in the deprivation tank. But I do, <laughs> I do know people who do it, and they yeah. swear by it. But that sounds awful. I think I would freak out probably. Yeah. Do you miss competing? No, um, I loved competing so much and and there's a possibility like I'll still compete like there are so many cool meets um, like basically I would use swimming as a way to get a vacation. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a meet in Italy that I would go to every year. And so that was basically like a paid vacation with great food and wine. And I just had a race a little bit. Um, <laughs> and my, my last meet was last October and that was in Tahiti. So like there, there are like these, um, exhibition meets all over the place. And so I might do those, but I don't miss competing at the Olympic level or the world championship level. Like that was amazing. I'm so, I'm so proud of myself for doing that. And it's something I'm really happy with, but it's, it's crazy overwhelming, like crazy, crazy overwhelming. And, um, everyone has an opinion and, and now with social media, it's just crazy. Like how, um, as swimming has gotten more and more popular, there's, you know, everyone's an expert and, um, it's, that could be tough to, um, you know, shield yourself from that. And so I don't miss that part of it. Like people making predictions about who's going to win or people critiquing your everything. Both like predictions or, you know, who should be on the relays or, you know, so-and-so didn't live up to their hype or, um, you know, someone's underperforming, just everyone's an expert. And that, that part, um, I don't miss. And, but the, the part that I miss the most is training. I, I loved training so much and I love my teammates and my coaches. And it was just such a fun atmosphere because like you work yourself to the point of just pure exhaustion. And I kind of love that like masochistic mm-hmm. side of, of swimming, like just being, sore all the time but getting stronger and I love talking trash with my teammates and <laughs> we would just get so competitive and that that part I miss and you would how many hours a day did you train for 
Mm, up to six, seven. It, it depends like what you consider training, but we would be in the water one to two times. Um, so anywhere from one to four hours, we would lift about two hours. Um, I would do a lot of prep work, like especially as I got older, I had to do a lot of shoulder exercises, back exercises, warm up before I got um, in the water. Mm-hmm. So that would be like an hour of like Pilates and dry land and or sorry, cross training. <laughs> and so maybe we call it dry land, um, but basically cross training. Um, when you were actually competing, would you be training those days too? Uh, no, that that you just warm up. Um, so you would get in the water, um, you loosen up, you do a start or so, get a little fast twitch going, and then and then you would um, put What's on a your- fast twitch. Get like your 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 fast twitch your uh, like your groove yeah your groove no okay. <laughs> um, you, uh, like your your speed work like gotcha. you get like some like ten seconds or twenty seconds of of race speed so you get that into your nervous system um, then you change into your race suit and then um, I would wear like this whole like parka it didn't it did not matter if it was Beijing and it was a hundred degrees outside I would wear like a down parka and my UGG boots and then you just kind of sit around and wait. Um, to what swim. was that? Was that to keep your muscles warm? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was always so cold. Um, like I was always pretty lean and then I was just, I'm just a baby with, with <laughs> cold water. And, and then the pool decks are really chilly and they're drafty. And, um, yeah, so I would always like to stay warm. And then the part that's the, the hardest is just the weight, you know, that you have to show up, um, someone ins- inspects your suit to make sure you're wearing the proper suit, like an approved suit what would be approved versus not approved um so there in 2009 that was when like it was the super suit era of swimming so a lot of companies were coming up with these like neoprene suits that Mm. made people artificially buoyant um so the um governing body fina um so that's an international governing body they now regulate what types of suits we could wear and so we have qr codes um, like on your hip. And so mm-hmm. someone has to come and check you. Like I've never been scanned, but making sure that you're only wearing one suit and in, in Beijing, people were wearing two and three suits for, for compression. I see. Yeah. It, because basically compression, like the, t- the tighter the suit is, the less vibration is in your skin, which then makes you faster. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy how much goes into swimming. Right. Did you know anyone who did stuff like that? Oh yeah, yeah, that was legal like, oh, okay. at the time. Did yeah. you do it? No, no, I no, God, no. The suits were uncomfortable. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> they took like it, the the suits from two thousand eight took a solid twenty to thirty minutes to put on because put on. they were so tight. They like, were so tight. Small wetsuits. They were so 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 tight. You couldn't pinch like you couldn't pinch your skin. Um, and I had bruises all over my legs from putting them on. And I actually. Um, I've worked with Speedo for so many years and I actually helped develop those suits. And when we were in the testing phase, we had NASA scientists and, and, and like all these people helping us. And, and we, we did it in a very scientific manner. And, um, all my knuckles were completely worn. Uh, like almost to the bone from mm. putting suits on and off, on and off, on and off. Um, and they take forever. So I don't, I don't really miss that super suit era. Right. So you're in your parka and your Uggs. 
uh, in the 100 degree w- weather or wherever you are. Yes. And you're waiting till it's your turn to compete. Mm-hmm. And then when it is your turn, do they call your name or like, how do you know? So the way it goes um, at the Olympic level, world championships are the same, like the, the higher levels. You go into that room. Um, you have to be there like the ready room. And so you have to be there 20 to 30 minutes before you race. And so they check your equipment, make sure you have legal equipment. And so then you sit there with your competitors. Um, and so that's the part where it's really interesting because, you know, some of the competitors are really good friends. Some hate each other. Some are, you know, I, I don't know how much you watched the Olympics last year. Um, but like if you if you watch um, like Michael Phelps, versus um there was a south african chad leclo like he was doing the shadow boxing and like trying to intimidate him there's a lot of mind games that are mm. going on and i mean it's pretty funny it, it's, <laughs> it's really really funny watching um that that go on um but going through it is it is what it is like i would just sit there with my legs up and do some deep breathing and try to ignore everybody mm-hmm. around me so then they how do you know when it's your turn do they call your name they call your name so um it's down to the minute uh it's tv time so re- regardless we're gonna stay on time and so someone comes and that they call you you give them your credential and then you're, you're paraded out and then you're announced to the crowd and everything so when they would come to get you what was the feeling in your body that's something that's so interesting. Um, I was always like kind of nervous. Like the, the right amount of nerves was exactly where you wanted to be on like on a scale of one to 10, you wanted to be like a seven or eight. You didn't want to be a 10 cause then you're petrified, mm-hmm. but you didn't want to be a two and be asleep. You wanted that, that like happy medium. Um, so I would be nervous, but I remember for my first Olympics. So back in, um, Athens, I was, you know, like the hands down favorite to win the hundred back. And, um, I was a world record holder and all I could think of was like, don't screw this up. (laughs) But I was also thinking no matter what happens in the next two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, I will still be alive after this race. You know, like it's very unlikely I will die. So (laughs) I would, I would just think, I would try and think of like, what's the worst that could happen? Okay. Death. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now what's the next worth worst? Like, okay, I get a silver. Like, I mean, that's a pretty big jump, but, um, (laughs) but, but yeah, like I, I I get a silver. I don't get I don't get a medal at all. Like life will still go on. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of have this like discussion in my head of what's the worst that could happen. And then I would think, okay, how do I attack this race? So then I would go to strategy of the race. Right. So at one point you did not want to continue swimming, right? Yes. Yeah. What happened? Um, so I was in high school and I, I was kind of deemed like one of like the next like big things. Like I just remember being on like the cover of swimming world at like age 15 or 16, which was like a huge magazine at the time. Like it still exists, but it was a really big deal back then. Um, and I was on the national team at uh, 15 and I had won national titles and I was like kind of on the path to making my first Olympic team and doing everything right. And then I had this really bad injury, um, in my shoulder and, um, I tore my labrum. So Which is, what is the labrum? It, uh, it's something that a lot of pitchers, uh, tear their labrums. Um, we have labrums in our hips and then in our shoulders, but basically it's an overhead motion that is necessary for swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tore that. And was that just from 
repetitive motion yes so what would happen is i would get numb in my shoulders from training um and i would just push through it like you know no you know no pain no gain and um this one day i had a really good uh training set and and that and my shoulders went numb which wasn't unusual and that night i woke up and i like could not lift my arm mm. and the next morning i could not lift my arm and so um that was about a year and a half outside the 2000 olympic games and then on top of it i had this coach that was he just he, he thought he was so smart and he would play these manipulative games and that wasn't necessary for with me like i was driven enough like i didn't need to like have someone try and you know be like a a puppeteer like he, like what he this was is just fascinating. he was just such a dick like he was such a dick <laughs> like i like it, it, like he would, would he try just to psych these, you out yeah you just play these mind games um it's really hard to describe uh but basically Keep in mind that I was, you know, 15, 16. So already you're like crazy at that mm -hmm. age. Um, then you have the pressure of making your first Olympic team. And then you have this person of authority who's like bullying you all the time. And like, I, I have pretty thick skin. It's not like I, I can't like get yelled at or anything like that. He was just really cruel. Um, mm -hmm. mostly to the women on the team. Um, and, and just emotionally abusive in general. And, and so. That like all those things combined, I was just a basket case emotionally. Was he super critical, or was it more intense than just it, that? It was. It's a lot more intense. Like he would like make comments about a lot of the girls' weights, mm. and um, you know, like he was just. It's just just unnecessary. You know, we're like teenage girls and he's right. in his 40s and he thought he had so much power over over us and um that was just really tough and mm -hmm. and and now like as an adult looking back i'm like god what a horrible person yeah <laughs> but um yeah i mean I'm, I'm glad i went through it because it made me um a stronger it made me stronger ultimately but it was it was really tough but so i wanted to quit desperately and the only reason i kept going was um, I knew I would get a scholarship. Oh, yeah. So sorry. I sort of derailed you. Your shoulders were numb. Yeah. You had this dick coach. Then yeah. what happened? Yeah. And then um, for that year, I just... I just battled with this coach and could, but I mean, could you, you couldn't swim with your numb arms. Could no, you? but I would, I, the option of not training is not, and that's not an option for mm. a swimmer. You have to be in the water. So, um, I would not really swim, but I would kick a lot. So on like a kickboard and, and work my legs. And did you so, have a surgery? No, I actually was supposed to have a surgery. So, um, I was uh, scheduled to have surgery and then I backed out the last minute and then I started seeing this physical therapist who um, she was working with a lot of the 49ers and a lot of the professional athletes up in the Bay Area and this is the first time that I was with a PT that wasn't only working with old people with carpal tunnel syndrome, you know, cause that was, that was the type of person who was, who was, um, trying to help me. And I was like, I'm trying to make my first Olympic team. Um, so it, that I wasn't getting anywhere. And I finally found a physical therapist that helped me. And so, um, I avoided surgery that time. Good. So you wanted to quit, mm -hmm. but 
continued because you knew you could get a scholarship. Yes. And so I knew that at the very least, like, yes, at this point in my life, I hated swimming. I did not want to do it anymore. It's a, it's a really tough sport. Um, cause it's 50 weeks out of the year. Um, and I knew that it would pay for, pay for school. And, you know, so I knew that, you know, I, I'm going to continue. And I took my trips, my recruiting trips to UCLA and Stanford and Cal and, um, I ended up going to Cal and I loved it there so much. But then you continued swimming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I found uh, a really great coach. Uh, she's still there. She's celebrating her 25th anniversary um, of, of coaching at Cal. Um, and yeah, I, I she completely changed my out, outlook towards swimming. Like the training techniques were much different. She was much more maternal. Um, then my former coach and I just learned to love it again. And, um, it's just so funny that I, you know, continued to train until I was 34, almost 34. Cause I, you know, at 17, I wanted to quit so badly. <laughs> and like the thought of when I would see some of the, you know, quote unquote older swimmers, like who are 24, 23, <laughs> I'm like, ugh, why are they doing this still? <laughs> and, um, yeah. And then I became that old lady on the team. What did you think you wanted to do instead? Instead of swimming, of swimming, just be like a normal human being. You know, at that point, I, you know, I had so many friends that weren't swimmers, um, but they didn't have the pressures of trying to make an Olympic team and they didn't have the schedule that I had. Um, you know, I was getting up at four, four fifteen almost every morning, uh, as a high school swimmer yeah. or a high school, um, student like I, I remember I had I had some teachers that were so sympathetic to me because I would just I would fall asleep all the time in class and I had one teacher like let everyone out and then I woke up during lunch period <laughs> in, in the room lights were off oh, that's yeah funny. yeah the, the teachers were really um sympathetic to me <laughs> what was your parents reaction when you wanted to quit um, I didn't, you know I was never really open with my parents uh in high school I was very like I said, like self-driven. So, uh, I don't even remember discussing it with them, which is really funny. Like that's like, that's kind of a crazy thought. Like I really don't think I discussed it with them at all. What are your parents like? Um, my dad, they're, they're, your dad's a cop. My dad's a cop or was a cop. He retired at age 50. Um, so he's, 60 now yeah so he's been retired for 10 years and like he's still like super healthy so he doesn't know what to do with himself um (laughs) he's like crazy ocd like ocd like really ocd like needs to be diagnosed and um like we used to have this shag uh carpet or not a shag carpet um a frayed carpet that he could not physically walk by it without fixing the fray so we had to get rid of the carpet (laughs) and my dad like vacuums our garage and then vacuums the vacuum (laughs) I. shit you not like it, people think i i'm kidding when i say that like he vacuums his shop vac he's nuts <laughs> um and then my mom she's like super feisty um she's really funny she comes off as um you know such a like a betty crocker like homemaker and then she has this like really feisty side of of her and and both my parents really love to laugh and um, yeah, they're, they're great parents. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a younger sister. Um, so she, uh, she's three years younger and growing up, we did not get along like whatsoever. 
Um, and now we're super close, but she just moved to DC, which sucks. But, um, but yeah, like it was funny because I was always so good at swimming. So I was, you know, friends with older swimmers, um, because I was always in the, the higher up groups and my sister's three years younger. And so that the fact that I had so many friends that are a lot older than me kind of made that gap even, even bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like in high school, I wouldn't even acknowledge her presence. It was really mean. (laughs) (laughs) Did you date in high school? Um, so this is crazy. I actually, I started dating my husband, um, when I was a senior in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Super weird. Uh, and it never works out that way, but (laughs) yeah, like it, he, uh, was a summer as well. And, uh, we had known each other for a long time and he, uh, was transferring from uh, UNC Chapel Hill, and he didn't know where he wanted to transfer. He just knew he didn't want to go to that school anymore. And so he came home um, to train for the 2000 Olympic trials, and that's when we started dating. I know it's crazy. So he, is he like the only person you've dated? More or less, yeah, for the most part, which is, I know it's insane. Um, but it's the, super cute. Though. The, the good thing about that is we did go to college separately. Mm-hmm. He ended up going to UC Santa Barbara. And so we had like our own lives. And, um, I still got a, you know, experience college without like being tied to a, a boyfriend, you know, um, even though I had a boyfriend. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the joke was that, it, he was made up for a long time. I, a lot of people were like, he's never around. I'm like, well, he's a summer too. <laughs> okay. I have to read all of your, uh, records and whatnot. This is from Wikipedia. So you so tell 100% me this is all accurate. right. Let's see here. Uh, became the first woman ever to swim the hundred meter backstroke in less than a minute. Correct. Is that right? 10 days before her 20th birthday. At the 2008 Summer Olympics, she became the first U.S. female athlete in modern Olympic history to win six medals in one Olympiad and the first woman ever to win a 100-meter backstroke gold in two consecutive Olympics. Those are both correct. Where do you put all your medals? Um, I keep them in a safe. Um, I used to just keep them in a sock drawer. And if you're ever going to rob an Olympian's house, that's probably where you should look. <laughs> um, but again, my dad being a cop got me a safe. Right. Uh, complete side note tangent. Um, my husband and I are house shopping. We looked at the house the other day and there was a safe in the floor of the master bedroom. That's so Isn't cool. that weird? That's so cool. At the 2012 Summer Olympics, she earned a bronze medal in the four by 100. Me- is that what is it? Uh, four in a free relay or yeah. four by 100. Oh. Either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then her total of 12 Olympic medals ties her with, oh, these bitches. <laughs> Jenny Thompson and Dara Torres for m- the most all-time medals by a female swimmer. Correct. Correct. Coughlin's success has earned her the World Swimmer of the Year Award once and the American Swimmer of the Year Award three times. She's won a total of 60 medals in major international competition, 25 gold, 22 silver, and 13 bronze spanning the Olympics, the World, the Pan Pacific Championships, and the Pan American Games. That's so impressive. Thank you. Thank you. It's crazy to hear it. Like, it still is crazy to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> because, but it's been a long, long career. Um, but yeah, I, I, a lot of those other medals, I, I kept my Olympic medals, but um, some of the other ones I've either given away or I, I don't know, they've disappeared. Is there one that's the most special to you? Mm, the Probably the Beijing one. Uh, the Beijing gold in the Hunter backstroke, that one was... Um, 
that's the most memorable ceremony that I had, um, you know, of the, the 12 medals. I really don't remember all the ceremonies, but, um, that one, uh, I had, I was undefeated for so many years in the Hunter backstroke and I had the world record for so many years, um, from 2002 to 2008. So that, that was a really long time. Um, and in the semifinals, I was in heat one and then this other girl, Chrissy Coventry, she was in heat two and she ended up break. I, I was in the mix zone. So I was giving my post race interview while she was racing and then she broke the world record. And of course the, the reporters like all want to get like the first impression. Yeah. And I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, all right, this it's on now. And so, um, the next day uh, I just kept telling myself, and this is, this is where the mind game uh, playing with yourself, uh, happens where I just says, you know what, you're, you're, you're ready for this. You're prepared tonight's your night, tonight's your night, tonight's your night. And that just kind of became my mantra. And I just kept visualizing that race and visualizing it going successfully. And, um, I ended up winning um, and it was such a overwhelming, like sense of relief winning because I knew I was capable of it and I was just performing at that very moment. Um, but on that, during that medal ceremony, the person to my left was my teammate, Margaret Holzer. And she was, that was her first career medal. Um, so she was getting a bronze and we're watching the two American flags being raised. Uh, Christy Coventry got silver. Um, and we're watching the two American flags being raised, hearing the national anthem. And I like look to my left and um, my friend Margaret was starting to tear up. And all of a sudden I started crying and then I started crying because I was crying. Like I was so embarrassed. Um, my, like I'm not that much of an emotional person. And by the end of that ceremony, I had snot coming out of my nose. My face was crazy <laughs> red. I was so embarrassed, like so incredibly embarrassed <laughs> that I was crying so much. Um, and so it, it like, well, that's like one of the first images when you Google my name is that medal ceremony. It's <laughs> the, the worst photos. <laughs> <laughs> so Christy Coventry breaking the world record. Then did you re-break it? I, I don't Honestly, I don't remember. I think I might've, but I might not have. Um, and that's, that's the crazy thing about the Olympics. It doesn't matter at that point. Right. Um, I don't think I did, but yeah, I don't think I did. I just, I, I just had a better race head to head. Um, that's, that's the thing with swimming. Again, sometimes if you're swimming in, in a race where you don't have competition, you have much clearer water. So mm -hmm. you don't have like the choppiness of someone next to you. Um, and does that slow you down? Choppiness? Yes. The choppiness definitely slows you down. And then there's the mental aspect of it. Like some people, they see someone to their left or their right and they panic and then they don't perform that well. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that's what happened with Kirsty. She's a great girl. I actually really like her. Um, but that, that could happen. So you'll see sometimes people have an amazing race where they break a world record and then they get head to head next to someone and they just crumble. Are your bronzes less special to you? No, I love I love all my babies the same. <laughs> so now you have a wine coming out. I do. And a cookbook I do. coming out. Tell me about that. Yeah, so the cookbook has been something that I've been wanting to do forever. Um, and I sold this book this time last year, actually. So I was um, in New York shopping it around and, um, Clarkson Potter bought it and I'm so grateful that they did. And the manuscript process has been 
interesting to say the least. Like I'm not a writer by trade, um, but and writing a cookbook is daunting because you have to write a bunch of recipes. Like I had about 15 recipes to start with, but I needed 75. Mm -hmm. And so all summer, I basically locked myself in my house and in my kitchen and developed recipes and and wrote them down. And um, it was such a sense of relief that when the manuscript, it was due September 15th, when I sent that in, I was like, oh my God, I actually got to the finish line. And um, now we're in the editing phase of that. Um, and then, What kinds of recipes is it? Uh, or like what's the... Yeah, so the theme, uh, it, it's healthy-ish cooking. Um, so some recipes are like insanely healthy, like my like green smoothie, or I have a bunch of hummus recipes and like really healthy ones like that. And then it spans to some family recipes that are crazy unhealthy, like <laughs> lumpia. Like that's uh, my my mom's side of the family is Filipino. Um, and so I have a lot of Filipino recipes that um, aren't the healthiest, but they're what super is delicious. Uh, it's a Filipino spring roll. It's like mm-hmm. fried and delicious. If you've never had one, you really need to. They're, I've never. I've never even heard of it. They're I amazing. Mean, yeah. They're so freaking good. Um, and then I have like bolognese and like st- stuff from my travels. So from swimming, I've traveled like all over Europe and Asia and um, Africa, South America. So I tried to think of recipes that were inspired by my travels, and then that way I could tell a great story about um, that trip or uh, that recipe. And um, so about a third of it is recipes from my travels, um, and then about a third are family recipes, and then a third just what I ate and cooked and um, prepared for myself when I was training for the Olympics. Does it have a title yet? No, God, that's so hard. That is so hard. Um, yeah, all the releases and even in the manuscript, it says yet to be titled. Um, I wish someone could just title it for me. <laughs> have you always cooked? I have. Oh, well, not really. Actually, that's a lie. Um, my mom was and is a fantastic cook and I was so busy with school and swimming growing up that I never cooked then. Um, but I, the one, the one thing I did make before I left for college was crepes. Like those, that's the one thing I was able to make. I don't know why. <laughs> Very fancy. But, um, I taught myself how to cook after, after spending a year in the dorms and just being obsessed with food, mm-hmm. basically. And, um, so my sophomore year, I got my, my apartment and just really wanted to learn how to cook. And with swimming, you need, you need to have a health, a healthy, uh, hobby. Uh, that doesn't require too much energy. Um, and because there's a lot of downtime, you need to rest a lot when mm-hmm. you're not training. And so I just spent a lot of time in the kitchen. I have a TV off off of my kitchen. And so I, I could watch a ton of Netflix and just spend all day in the kitchen cooking. And I'd love that. Is there anything that you don't like to eat? Not really. I could, I could convince myself anything that's healthy uh, tastes good for the most part. Um, except for seaweed salad. I think that's so I can't get over it. Is and the texture? I think so. I know it's so healthy and I'll choke it down, but that's the one thing I can't like trick myself. gelatinous and slimy. It's gross, but it's it's really good for you. So I'll eat it, but begrudgingly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I I pretty much eat everything. Um, I'm not picky. I was crazy picky as a kid, but I've, I've since gotten over that. In terms of having to have a healthy diet while you're swimming, and you said before, like, there's not a lot of crazy weight stuff. Although the your your dick coach yeah. did make you yeah. feel weird about weight. Yeah, I know. It, yeah, he, he would like say like jiggle, jiggle, jiggle to some of the girls on the team when they Is would that get a- um, mayonnaise on their sandwiches or, oh. you know, it's, it's so, so rude. Like, why would you do that to a teenage girl? Yeah. yeah. But 
Um, what was the question? I, oh, I, oh, the food, the crazy food. Yeah, they're, they're, um, well, well the, no, you, go. I don't think I ever said the question, but now I want to hear what you're going to answer. <laughs> uh, weight is, is, inter- is really important when you swim. Um, so you do, uh, yeah, that was going to be my question. Like, how rigorous do you have to be? If you, if you love cooking and love food, how does, how did that coincide with also trying to be controlled yeah you have to have your fighting weight and so like i i realized what my fighting weight was and so i would just um you know weigh myself and make sure i didn't get like too much over that um how what margin would you allow yourself like a three to five pound window Mm -hmm. um so yeah and i'm someone who could gain weight so easily like i i gained (laughs) one time in in high school um i gained 17 pounds in two weeks it was nuts wow yeah what were you eating uh no it was it was during the two-week break that we get and i continued to eat like i was training a hundred thousand meters a week <laughs> oh right because you must eat a lot the, you, you have to eat, eat a, a lot, lot yeah. as a summer um you really have to eat a lot as a summer and that that's another thing i miss about training is having two breakfasts and two lunches and right you know, maybe two dinners, um, <laughs> that, that part is so great. Um, but you're, you're constantly hungry. Um, so yeah, you have to just fuel yourself with good food. Like there, I had teammates that would eat junk food and just eat whatever they, they wanted. Um, and, and that can work, but, uh, it, it's better to fuel, fuel yourself with good food. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, basically I would just try and eat healthy and then, eat as much as I want but I had like a higher fat diet and I would have wine with dinner like that wasn't an issue um like I never deprived myself because I'm, I'm the type of person if you tell me I can't have something I'm obsessed with it mm-hmm. so um yeah like I would I would still have wine with dinner and you know have dessert when you want to have dessert and things like that are you OCD at all in some ways, yes. Like how? In some ways. Uh, I, <laughs> I, my sister was just visiting recently and she and my husband were like making fun of me that I think that there's a right and a wrong way to do things or, or definitely a right way to do things. And so, um, around the house, like I get kind of nitpicky with my husband with certain things like cleaning of the kitchen or how to, you know, walk the dogs properly. So, you know, <laughs> just crazy, stupid stuff like that. Um, but I do recognize how annoying, um, that could be. So I, I try and turn it off as much as possible. Mm. And Wendy just came in. She did. I brought her some goodies. I wonder if she could smell it. We will find out. <laughs> we'll let her stay in here until she barks and then she's going to have to go to another room. Um, okay. This might be a too personal question. Okay. That's okay. I'm wondering how it works being a swimmer and also a woman. Oh, uh, by that I mean having a period. Oh, uh, I just generally didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, yeah, one of those people that is that a, a function of just exercising so much? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then just like whatever birth control you're on. Mm. Yeah. So like I, for the last few years, I ended up just getting an IUD just because it was a lot easier just not have to deal with that type right. of stuff. But yeah, there that's, that's an issue, especially for teenagers, um, that, yeah, you don't want to be on your period when you're going to a, um, big competition because you don't want to be exhausted from that cycle of your horn, you know, right. it, it, that that's really tough and managing that is tough. So, um, a lot of the ways that people do that is through, uh, birth control. Yeah. Cause I was thinking also, like you said, you, you want to beat your fighting weight. Mm-hmm. Well, 
periods can cause fluctuations in that. I know. I know. So yeah, I, I just ended up getting an IUD and then, so that kind of took care of it. But, but growing up, I was pretty, I was pretty, um, lean. So I never really had my period. Did that concern doctors at all? Not really. I mean, some, some doc, depending which doctors you go to, some like think that's the end of the world. And then others think it's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Depends who you go to, but I just, that, that is how it was. Was the IUD super painful to be put in? Cause my, Um, what I've heard is that if you've had kids, it's not bad, but if you haven't, it's painful. Yeah. I, I, I assume it feels like how contractions feel like because like your uterus all of a sudden starts spasming like crazy. And for the most part, I could deal with pain. Like if you like cut me in the arm, I could like deal with that pain, mm-hmm. but that pain on the inside. Yeah. The like internal. you don't know where to clench. Like it's horrible. Um, yeah, that it was pretty uncomfortable for a solid day. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. But like, yeah, only super intense for about five to 10 minutes. Right. Still. But worth it. What's the worst pain you've ever felt? The worst pain. Um, that was pretty painful. Um, I spilled boiling water on my leg um, when I was about 23. I still have a scar on my leg. It looks like a birthmark, but um, I was making tea and the kettle burst and I had sweats on and I ripped the sweats off and my skin came off onto the sweats. Oh boy. It was so disgusting. It was, that was so insanely painful. And then and was it just like raw and red and yes. And oh. then, and then it turned to the girl. You, you'll love I want this, the audience I, to know that Jeff is cringing, <laughs> slinking away. Oh, just, just wait. It gets okay, better. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and then, so these like blisters on my legs, like when I stood up, it looked like boobs on my legs. <laughs> like it was so, so oh. disgusting. They're so big. And then I was, then I, of course I went to practice and I put on loose fitting pants cause it was just so painful. And, um, I was doing hang cleans, which, uh, that's like an Olympic, uh, lifting where you have the Olympic bar, the straight bar, and then you have weights on either side and you throw the weight up and you catch it mm. on your shoulders and then you drop the weight or you catch it on your legs. So I went to drop the weight and then it, like my blisters exploded oh my god so <laughs> oh. I know I know I ran in I ran into the training room and my pants are just soaked and the trainer was like please don't tell me that's what I think it is it's like yep oh and did that hurt really bad yeah that was gross oh my gosh how did the kettle burst uh I don't know defective I guess I have no idea but it was so insanely painful and uh i probably should have gone to the er but i'm the type of person who just googles something and self-treats and never goes to the doctor (laughs) (laughs) um all right let's take some questions that came in over twitter okay when we ask they send them in they're wondering how you have been so thanks so much for Tell Natalie, okay, so this is from Cisco Raider. Tell Natalie Coughlin she killed it at the Band Together event last week. Then ask her if she goes to any Raider games. Did she talk football with James before her, did you intro Metallica? I did. It was freaking unbelievable. So, yes. What, what, explain this question. So, okay. Um, yes, I go to Raider games and I love the Oakland Raiders and I'm so sad that they're leaving Oakland and really torn by it. Um, cause they're going to Vegas. I know you're a huge football fan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been talking um, about it nonstop. I know. Um, <laughs> so I, 
so last week I went to the band together for the North Bay um, wildfire relief. And so uh, Metallica and Dead and Company and Dave Matthews and g Easy. I'm not sure if it's Jeezy or g Easy. <laughs> Uh, some rapper that I've never heard of and I now sound like a thousand years old. Um, <laughs> and then a couple other bands. They performed and Metallica was the closer. And so all the proceeds went to charity. $15 million was raised and I got to introduce Metallica alongside um, a couple of the first responders uh, and give this speech and um, pretty crazy in front of 40,000 people. Um, but no, I did not get to talk to any of the band uh, members because they were, you know, preparing to perform. Right. Um, okay. And uh, there were a lot of comments, not specifically questions, of people who are very excited to hear this interview. Oh, yay. Um, okay. Ed Morris says... We are going through, ma- we sort of talked about this a little bit earlier. We're going through major sexual scandals in Hollywood, politics, and sports. Have there been problems with Olympic swimming like, wait, have there been problems in Olympic swimming like gymnastics? Not to the, I don't, I don't think to the same extent as gymnastics because um, gymnastics tends to be like younger uh, Olympians with a lot more like closer contact with doctors and coaches and mm-hmm. and there's a, a lot going on with that right now we have had issues in swimming and and they've been very public and um unfortunately yes that that that's happened never to me um but uh that that's an issue that we deal with uh when there are people in power and um people who are trusting and you know predators just they find they find um prey i mean and these these kids end up being um preyed upon but fortunately there is now the center for safe sport which is government funded and so there are a lot of new rules that help uh protect the athletes but also the coaches and and so that the coaches and people in power don't put themselves in in a uncomfortable or a negative situation and and just make people more aware um Mm -hmm. of of what they're doing um, but, but yeah, it, it's, it's just one of those disgusting, unfortunate things. And and like we said with Lori Kilmartin, like there are some of those, uh, coaches out there that now are in prison, um, because they did abuse, you know, kids. Right. I forgot to ask you about your wine. My wine. That's coming out. Yes. Yeah. My wine. I mentioned it earlier. And then yes. Um, and then we got derailed. Uh, Gadarian wines. So Gadarian means to gather in old English. And um, that uh, my very good friend, uh, Shana Harding, she's the winemaker. And she's been in the wine industry for well over a decade. And I, I guess once said how I wanted to have a wine. And then she texted me out of the blue earlier this year and said that she was starting a label and she needed a partner and would I do it? And I texted her back within a minute and was like, yes. And then did you need mean to text this Natalie? Because you can't take it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's super, it's super fun. We're, we're starting off really, really small. So 200 cases total. 
Um, so 12 bottles per case um, of Pinot Noir and Chenin Blanc. Um, and so I'm actually in St. Helena helping um, helping Shana make the wine and and kind of getting to be an intern in my own company, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. And um, I got, I think, the initiation part of being uh, now an officially a vintner. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone who makes wine. Um, I Are you actually, a negociant? I am not a negociant. What is a negociant? A negociant. Um, I'm learning this from my viticulture classes, which I'm taking online. <laughs> um, obviously, negociant is a French word. And it comes from back in the days when uh, there were independent growers, and but they didn't make their wine. So they would sell the grapes to the wine growers. I think this is one of those things I need to study. I have a final coming up in like three three weeks, which is crazy. I've been out of college forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, getting back into the studying is, is fun. Uh, really fun. But, um, but yeah, I am a vintner. And so part of, I, I don't know if it was just hazing or just because we really needed it, but I actually picked up and delivered our grapes from Clarksburg. So that, and um, brought them to where we're processing our wine. So I had a ton of, literally a ton, 1.1 tons of grapes in this flatbed dually truck um, that the the dashboard didn't light up. Um, <laughs> I could not see out of my, you know, either side. It was terrifying. I had to drive through the mountains um, around uh, Napa with, with these grapes, uh, hoping not to crash and not to ruin our wine before it's actually wine. It was crazy, but it, it felt liberating. <laughs> do you taste the grapes? Like, is that a thing? You do. You do. So what you do is you have what's called a refractometer. So it measures the specific gravity. So the density of the of the grapes. And so once for raisin hits, which is the ripeness of the grapes, you start going. What, 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 what did you say? Once? For raisin. Oh. Okay. So once the veraisin, again, French word, I'm probably not pronouncing it right. Um, once they start to ripen, you go out and you do a random sample. How does raisin? Raisin come from that word? Does it just mean super it, I'm ripe or probably something? not pronouncing okay. it right. It's like V A I R I O N. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of trailed <laughs> off there. Um, but uh, you you sample the the fruit and then um, you measure the specific gravity and then you and you taste it. So you kind of taste how it, it tastes, but you measure the bricks, which is the sugar levels. And that's Mm -hmm. how you know when to pick the grapes and that affects alcohol and all that. So throughout the season, you go out and you taste and you sample and you just kind of wait and wait and wait till it's ripe. And then you pick and then Mm -hmm. process. You majored in psychology, right? I did. Did you think you uh, wanted to pursue that? I did. Um, I actually, so when I went to Berkeley, I wanted to become a physical therapist. Like that's kind of where I was heading towards because I had this great physical therapist um, that helped me so much. And I didn't necessarily want to be a doctor, but I wanted to work with athletes. And I thought that was a great way to go about it. Um, and being that Berkeley is a liberal arts college, I was like, Oh, I, I want to do psychology. You know, my dad, um, like I said, was a cop and for many years, um, his focus was, um, homicide, which I found fascinating as a kid. And so just like the psychology of like sociopaths and all that was really interesting. I had a really great psychology teacher in high school. And so I kind of followed that path. Um, and then when I focused on the clinical side of psychology at Cal, I realized I can't ever do that. Why? <laughs> that is just not my, I, I, those people are angels and that is tough. I like can't imagine working with someone, um, with, 
you know, either horrible trauma or, um, some sort of mental illness, uh, that I think that would be just so difficult. And that takes a very specific personality, which I don't possess. Mm. So what, so you, were you interested in the theoretical aspects of it? Yes. I was, I was, I was interested in like how psychology affects people's personality, like, like how, um, you know, you, Korsakoff syndrome is, you know, from amnesia, from too much alcohol and how that affects people's psychology or just personalities or, mm-hmm. or how um, brain injuries could could affect like someone's core personality which is insane um and just learning how the brain works was really interesting to right me. versus the actual yeah actual interfacing of, with of patients like, right that's, that's a whole nother level yeah. yeah uh let's do just me or everyone but first, I want to tell you guys I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for that. There's different reward levels. There's bonus episodes. There's an exclusive live video stream. There's a level where you get merchandise in the mail. There's way, way too much of me. You'll be like, leave me alone, please. And I'll be like, nope. I'm just sending you behind the scenes photos or I'm posting them at least on the activity feed. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and tell all your friends. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. And also uh, rate and, and review the show, won't you? Okay, great. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Just me or everyone. FF Drift Queen says, Sometimes I think my dog only likes me for my breath. Do your dogs do that? Get up and sniff your mouth. They do, and I love it. I love <laughs> I it. Too. My my I have I have two dogs and um Dozer, he's my big bulldog. He doesn't lick, and so I like kiss him constantly, mm-hmm. like too much. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um but I don't I don't I don't I like blowing on their face. So yes, I mean they like me for many reasons, but I know they like my breath. And so I especially after a good meal, I blow on the blow, blow on their face and they love it. I like to smell Wendy's breath. Usually for years I was like she had, her breath has no scent. And lately it's not so fresh anymore. Oh man, Shira, my terrier, her breath is foul. But <laughs> Dozer, his his breath is so sweet and lovely. Yeah, she, but terriers, man, their their yeah. breath gets disgusting. What I wonder why? Because my parents have a terrier and he smells. Their teeth are so big for their mouth, mm-hmm. and so like they get so much tartar. I think that's right. part of it. Like I have to get her teeth cleaned like once a year, which is horrible and expensive. Yeah. And now that she's thirteen, like she's had seven or eight teeth removed. Aww. It's so sad. Does she and Dozer get along? Yeah, they love each other. That's super cute. Who's I pretty app? much just let my dog lick the inside of my mouth. So. <laughs> it's true. I feel like as long as my tongue doesn't go in her mouth, yeah, then it's because that would all, be weird. That would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, if, but if occasionally she licks my mouth, that's fine. Uh, I remember. I think it was in the in a one of the Muppet movies actually. But there's a scene where someone's saying goodbye to his dog and the dog licks his mouth. And I was like, that is disgusting. And now <laughs> I, I don't even think there's anything weird about it at all. I kiss my dogs all the time. <clears throat> I mean, I kiss her on her little snout. Yeah. Okay. Misa Evans, I, did, I just did the old person thing where you're reading something and you have to pull, pull away from it. What is happening to me? Now I'm putting more distance between myself and this small font. Misa Evans says, just mirror everyone. Honestly love when the toilet paper in my hotel bathroom is on the same side as it is back home. I've never really 
honestly loved that. I haven't had a strong feeling about it. I don't have a strong feeling either. I just checked into a hotel today. It is on the same side as as mine. But, you know, a little diversity, a little change up might might be okay. I can kind of go either side. Ampidextrous. Yeah, when it comes to toilet paper. Although, when I change my son's diaper, there's one direction I have to put him on the changing table. Like, there's only one direction I can go. That makes sense. It would be better if I could go either way, though. Yeah. More versatile. Jeff, strong opinions about toilet paper side? No, this has never occurred to me. Yeah. I mean, everyone has the, like, upside down, like, if, if the, the over under. The right. over under, which, again, I don't really have strong feelings, but I do the over because I don't have cats. You have cats. You I have, have cats, but it's still the correct way. I I thought with cats, you have to do the under. My cats are pretty geezerly and mellow, so it's oh, not okay. a big issue, but I, I think if you have a rambunctious cat, they'll figure it out. Oh, okay. But I, overhanded is the, the human way. It is. It is. Shows that you're not a sociopath. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. She studied psychology. She would know. That. <laughs> That's what we call an indicator. I find that over is more aesthetically pleasing and more socially acceptable as this conversation would reveal. However, I find that if it's under, it like rips off more cleanly. You don't have the thing where s- suddenly the whole roll has unspooled. Perhaps. I don't know. That's why I sometimes I prefer under, even though my husband put the kibosh on under real early on because for for the reasons because he's similarly prejudiced. Okay. Sounds like he was raised right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was raised in an over home. Maybe I'm rebelling. Yeah, Yeah. you're just a rebel. (laughs) Uh, Celine Bobine says, just mirror everyone. Apply way too much inflection to what I'm saying into phone when using speech to text. I don't use speech to text, but you know who does is Dana Gould. And I've seen him sit there on the phone saying, what time, question mark, something, period. It seems to work for him. This was years ago. Yeah, he still does it. And sometimes I'll get an email from him and I'll be looking at it and I'm thinking, you didn't type this <laughs> at all. Because there's so many mistakes in it or you just know? No, you just know. Like, there's no way that he sat there and typed all that out because he just wouldn't do it. But for me, I resent. I don't know that you need to speak in an enunciated way to get it right. So for me, I always resented it. I was like, you should be able to spell it out the way that I talk. I shouldn't have to change how right. I talk. To well, there's use that. It. There's that Google commercial that goes that right now that says that you don't have to talk like that. But oh, really? I think that's the problem. People over enunciate, and then Siri or who, whomever doesn't doesn't know what you're saying. I am going to the party at 2.30 p.m. <laughs> See, I don't even... Was that potty or party? Party. <laughs> That's, I'm, if I were Alexa, I wouldn't know. A lot of people seem to have Alexa. I don't. Do I need I, it? No, you don't. I have like four Alexa. Um, and she turns on all the time on her own and like scares the crap out of me sometimes. Like I'll be in the middle of doing yoga and she'll just say something. Um, <laughs> like what though? Uh, random stuff. Like she'll just, uh, say that she doesn't have that song on whatever, you know, um, Apple, whatever music, um, she'll respond to the television all the time. She's kind of annoying. Siri is way better. Uh, I I don't use Siri at all. She has more of a sense of humor. I don't use Siri. I'm, and I don't do any speech to text, but I'm realizing the one thing is our Apple TV you hold, you can hold down the microphone and say, find something. And I I totally over enunciate when I do that. 
Oh, yeah, I love that so much. We have two Apple TVs and the one that doesn't have it is... You miss it? Yeah, I know. I I miss it. (laughs) I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone and his Alexa kept going off. And I said, I said, oh, you have an Alexa? And he said, yeah. And I said, ask it to play music that stupid people like. (laughs) And what do you think it played? Uh... Barney. I don't know. That's the first thing that came to mind. Britney. Weird. A B thing is the first thing that came to my mind too. Britney Spears, even it, though. It played The Cure. Uh, what? So yeah. Maybe it so thought funny. you meant sad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just telling you what Alexa said. Interesting. April Richardson is. Oh, no. She's into Morrissey, not The Cure. She's probably into The Cure too. Yeah. Okay. I think we finally found the episode where my eyes stopped working. I mean, they're working, but I have been bragging about my perfect vision, and I'm actually having trouble right now. Well, there's Fart- like mood lighting in here, yeah. so I think yeah. that's it. Fart Girl says, because <laughs> she has her name and then her her Twitter handle, and I can make out Fart Girl better than the other one, which I think is like jam chop. It's just because <laughs> you like farts so much. I, I know. Well, it's also, that, that, it's also all caps. Whenever I get a Reese's that has two brown wrappers instead of one, I feel like I've won something. And then in parentheses, not Jeff. I specifically remember him not liking this. Is that true? Not liking two wrappers? Yeah. Like when you have two cups. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I love, I love Reese's Peace or Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Right. I know. Oh. I don't recall you talking about I feel like there was something like this that I said I didn't. It didn't move you. Yeah, there was something where you got two wrappers, and I was like, "Yeah, it's, it's fine." Hmm. No, it's well, a novelty. Yeah, it's nice. It's like a wrapper wrapper. Yeah, it's it's, nice. I feel like it's something Japanese snacks would have. Oh, the little <laughs> right. like rice paper. Yeah, the one that like melts in your mouth. Yeah, I love those. Although today I ate a a peanut butter and chocolate Lara bar. And I was eating it and I said, how is this not a candy bar? How is this not a Reese's peanut butter cup? Because it pretty much is. It, it is. is. It totally yeah. was. It tasted like one. Yeah. It was about as sugary as one, but it's, it's a healthy snack. I actually have a beef with healthy snack bars because they are so many calories. Yeah, they're just as much sugar as a candy bar. So, But they're not as good. Right. I, I, mean, I feel like they're like 80% as good and 100% the same amount of calories. Right. I I 100% agree with you. So if you want a candy bar and it's the same, why not just, just go for it? Go for it. Yeah. At um the classes that I took at the hospital, all the like labor-related classes, they would always hand out pop chips and Lara bars. And I thought, why? Yeah. I mean, thank you. But also, <laughs> well, that's there's the other things I'd prefer. With diet, it's so confusing because there's so many different perspectives there's so many different ideas of what's healthy what's not you know there's keto there's intermittent fasting there's this there's that and it's just confusing and i feel like it's intentionally confusing right have you done all of those uh not keto um that that's taking it to the extreme but i do have a pretty high fat diet Mm -hmm. um anyway and i just that's just what what makes me feel good like i have a lot of like avocado and olive oil and i'll eat the skin on chicken and things like that um intermittent fasting i've tried i like it but just i don't do it regularly or anything like that right i have a high fat diet too does that make me an olympic athlete (laughs) yes (laughs) do i get where's my medal yeah yeah. uh for the record it wasn't pop chips it was popcorn 
corner chips or something. There's some weird shaped, a generic version of pop chips I or guess a rip off. They were like, they were chips made out of popcorn. Though. I know exactly what you're talking you know what about. I mean? They're triangular, right? Yes. yes. I've yeah. had them on like a Southwest. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad. They're, not, they're a little sharp. Stephanie says, Trump has ruined red hats for me. Used to immediately think everyone was a Phillies hat. Not so much anymore. You've had one like this before because I remember thinking the same thing. Uh, yes, a red hat sticks out. And yeah. I mean, I went to Cal, so you, you automatically hate Stanford and anything red. Mm-hmm. Um, go Bears. Uh, but yeah, so I'd never wear red. Um, for 13 years, I wore red going to Catholic school. So that's a color I'm never going to wear. So I don't have to worry about that. Was that your uniform? Yes. What was it? Uh, plaid skirt, red plaid skirt, uh, red sweatshirt, polo. Yeah, it, I actually there is kind of nice. You looked fa- you looked fancy without even trying, and I wore the exact same out- outfit for four years. Yeah, I wore a uniform from kindergarten through eighth grade. Hated it. I would love that now. I would love that now. I pretty much do have a uniform, which includes jeans and like I'm wearing some version of a plaid shirt or right. generally sweats. Did you occasionally have what at our school was called free dress day? Yes. So could wear it. And that always was, it felt weird to be in a room with your classmates in unitchy clothes. Yes. And, uh, my parents were so cheap because we like had no money growing up. I had no clothes. So free dress was a lot of pressure when you had no clothes. Um, so I, I, I did not like free dress and we, and in high school we had free dress, I think the second semester of senior year. Um, and I hated it, but it got me ready to go to college when I actually did have to dress myself. Right. Did you wear saddle shoes? What are saddle shoes? Um, I, it sounded weird when I said it, they are leather shoes that are like white and they have a, like, what kind of shoes did you wear with your uniform? So, um, I would wear Jack Purcell's was one of them. And then, uh, I graduated in 2000. So like that kind of like schoolgirl look was very fashionable at the time, which right. was fortunate. Um, so like, uh, from Clueless, you know, she's wearing those super cute, are they dark? Doc, they're not Doc Martens. What what were they? Like the like cute shoes. They were kind of like um, chunky they heels. They might have been Doc Martens. Maybe they were Doc Mar- Martens. Yeah. Oh, well, chunky heels. Were they Steve Madden? Maybe? Me, Steve Madden. And then I would wear tights because I had super mm. hairy legs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They they let you... Because they... We had to wear a certain kind of shoe. And I don't know if we could have worn tights. Yeah. Well, we were also so younger. I went to Crondelet and De La Salle. Uh, is the boys' school across the street? They didn't even have a uniform, so I think they let us mix it up right. with a little bit of tights. But I'm sure they didn't allow us to have prints or anything like that. And you're from Vallejo. I am. Is that where Bald Brian is from? He's, no, from, he's from San Mateo, right? I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, E40s from Vallejo. <laughs> well, uh, and CC Sabathia and Jeff Gordon. I feel like maybe he got married in Vallejo. No, definitely not. Is Vallejo not? That's no, you okay. probably wouldn't want to, I, I don't think he got married in Vallejo. I think, I think some wine country. Yeah. Cause he got married, I think around the same time I did. Um, like at the, is there some place called the vintage Inn or something? Yes. And there that's is. not in Vallejo. That's Why not is in Vallejo, Vallejo standing out of my mind? Some Marine I'm, world, Africa, USA. That's no, up there. I feel, no, it's like there's a person that I know from there. This is not mm. going to be fun for anyone. If we go, if we, Continue down this road. It's a small town, but yeah. Maybe you know this person. I, I might. <laughs> Tell me everyone in the town. <laughs> uh, okay. Talk to dad says, having phantom vibrations in my leg and feels like my phone has been buzzing all day long. I have that all the time. 
I have that only now because my I have an iPhone 6 and um, it turns on vibrate on its own. And so it's constantly vibrating. So it, I don't think it's phantom at all. It's just constantly vibrating. <laughs> Do you have any injuries? Left. Yeah, um, I have scoliosis, so um, I have to deal with that. So I have a lot of like neck and back stuff. Um, I did uh, end up having sh- surgery on my right shoulder. Um, so I had a, a lot of bone and cartilage removed, but that that's fine now. Um, basically, I just have to keep up with the chronic stuff from the scoliosis. Mm. Amy Christensen says, when making a ponytail, one twist of the hair tie is not enough, but two is too many. Yes, I relate to this very strongly. I do as well. We both have very thick hair. Mm. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of those, uh, bands left over in the house that are super, super worn out. And now like it's ridiculous. Like my sister was borrowing some the other day and, um, she had to wrap it around like four times. Um, yes, 100%. I like those, um, those little plasticky ones, uh, that really like are secure and almost invisible. Those are my favorites. Do they look I don't know that I've seen them. Do they look like uh, orthodontic rubber bands? Yes. That's what I'm picturing. Like not the ones that you do when you do braids, but right. like a little bigger than that. Huh. The, the, and they don't they don't pull move. your hair. They don't pull your hair. They are almost invisible. Like I, I could run with those and my ponytail will stay. I recently tried something called Invisibobble. It's on Amazon. Um, and Nikki Glazer recommended it on her Instagram stories. So then I'm like, well, I have to try this now. And it looks like a little squiggly like phone cord, but it's small. Is it a pen? I use spin pens all the time. I love those. No, I don't know what that is. That sounds exciting. The, this looks like I'm holding up the um, coiled mic oh, cord. Yes, it looks I like know. that. You've yes. seen that? Yes. yes yeah. Yes. And so they're supposed to not leave a mark on your hair. Oh. I have found that they do still leave a little bit of a wave, but it's not that ridge that you get from a rubber band. Get spin pens. Those spin are, spins, those, are they? those are for like doing a bun and they're corkscrew pins that you just spin into your hair and it stays put. It's crazy. I'll, I'll run with like a nice like bun and it looks all fancy like a chignon, but I'm going to check out this spin yeah. pin. Yeah. All right. And lastly, fart girl. Also says, whenever I have or make plans, I immediately hope they get canceled so I can stay home alone. Yes. yes. You have that too? Yes, of course. Does everyone? <laughs> I think everyone does, especially like as we get older, we just get lazy. <laughs> right. Everyone at this table for sure. <laughs> is this is this just a human being thing or is this some kind of fatigue from social media and being connected all the time? Because I remember my senior year of college that's when I really got into emailing a lot mm-hmm. and the internet and all that kind of stuff. Um, the internet really then wasn't what it is now though. But, and I didn't, I'm trying to think, was that the year that we finally had an ethernet connection? Cause I remember this idea mm. of the computer being connected all the time was so futuristic to me. Cause I was used right. to the dial up. Yeah. I think I had an ether. That's the year I had an ethernet connection. So that was exciting. But I remember beginning to feel like I didn't want to answer my phone all the time anymore mm-hmm. and just feeling like I just need time to decompress. I think, I mean, I think that has to do with whether you're um, an introvert or extrovert. Right. Like whatever, like charges you up. But I, I think it's just getting older. I, I mean, people get so tired and so stressed with other things that sometimes you just want to be in sweats and watch some TV. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I'm an introvert. Like I'm, I'm a outgoing introvert. Um, but when I want to recharge, I do want to be mm. by myself. 
Natalie, it was so much fun having you on the show. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you for letting me know you were going to be in town. Yeah. Um, Jeff, where do we find you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. Natalie, tell everyone where to find you, what to look out for, and if there's anything that I didn't mention. Yeah. So um, you guys could find me. I'm more uh, active on Instagram than I am Twitter, but I'm Natalie Coughlin on on everything. But it's spelled like Coughlin. I yes. only realized today that I've been mis- mispronouncing it for years. That's okay. There's um, Once again, you're a huge football fan. Co- <laughs> Coach Coughlin out of, he was New York Giants, now he's at Jaguars. He pronounces it Coughlin, which is incorrect, but to be perfectly honest, Coughlin's not even correct. It's Coughlin, which oh. is Gaelic, so I don't even pronounce it correctly. So okay. either, either or, it's so fine. it's C O U G H L I N. Yeah, it's Irish, and so it's like Coughlin. Yeah, but there's not no Irish people on the West Coast, I don't right? Think. All right. And everyone look for your book in yes. 2019. Yeah, in 2019. It's crazy how long it takes. Um, and then Guderian Wines. So if you are a Chenin Blanc or a Pinot Noir fan, um, just visit us on GuderianWines.com. And we're selling through allocation, which means you email us and then we get your contact information and then we, we ship it to you. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow me on Instagram at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. And get yourself some merch at the store or ringtones at the store on my website. It's just AllisonRosen.com and then go to the store. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? 